Praise the Lord, everybody. I just want to flow in the Holy Spirit. How many want to flow in the Holy Spirit right now? I just want to flow in the Holy Spirit. Amen? I just want to flow in the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Father's put an awesome message on my heart, but I just want to flow right in the Holy Spirit. Amen? So as I'm sharing this message, I just want to interject some really cool things because I have nothing but a good report. Amen? Just to let everybody know that Bobby Valu is doing well. Amen. He had a little challenge on the trip. Bobby Valu and Robin are doing well. Her son is getting married today, and they made it just in time. That is the coolest thing. Amen. God's never late. I wish he would be really early sometimes. God's never late. God is awesome. So incredible things are happening in the earth today. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Just incredible things are really happening, you know. And uh, I'm going to grab some notes real quick here because I've been listening to some interesting podcasts from Israel. And uh, I want to share a few little notes that I was taking to kind of give you guys an understanding of really what we're up against, what's happening. Praise the Lord, my little cheat sheet. So anyway, I have a very good report, and I'm so excited about what the Father's doing, and uh, to go 5,500 miles and to come back with a good report is a good report. Amen. Even if they did lose my suitcase the first day, I was really faith-tested. Amen. <laughs> now, how many of you know that Micah's clothes do not fit me? That's all I'm going to say. I had some vain imaginations. Maybe I can get one leg in that pair of underwear. I don't know, but anyway... Uh, I had to have faith, and, um, you know, I want to thank uh, Paul Robinson. You are an awesome man of God. <laughs> Paul uh, was willing to give me an offering of undergarments, praise God, so there's no, I'm a man of no reputation, so that's all I'm going to say. You know, just when you thought you humbled yourself, he brings you down a few more notches, that's all I'm going to say. Listen, you never know. At first I was like stunned, but then I was like, you know, this is a God thing. This is either a test for me or him. You know what I mean? No, pastor. You're not getting no undergarments for me. You know what I'm saying? You just crossed the line. You're my pastor. I love you, but, you know, that's a sacred cow. Many stories like that. You know, I, I want to make a shirt up from the trip from Israel because we had all these cool sayings from the trip. You know, and uh, you would never understand it unless you were there, but it was really exciting. How many of you know that Jewish people just tell it like it is? That's one of the best congregations to have a bunch of Jews. because They just tell you how they feel. They just let it out. They, they don't hide anything. But, you know, in the times in which we are living, I personally believe the Torah portions are prophetic. Okay? Now, here's the interesting thing. How many of you know that years ago, a number of years ago, we were doing the Torah portions every Monday night, and then the Father led us to go in a different direction on Monday nights to learn some other things. How many of you remember that? I don't know offhand all the books that we covered, but I know it was Matthew, Revelation, the book of Acts, amen, and the prophets. We, we went into the prophets. Uh, to do the minor or major prophets takes 18 months. We did two cycles of the prophets. So it's interesting that we've come full circle into Genesis, okay? And we do have a lot of new people, so the Father knows what he's doing. Uh, oh, and by the way, we are in our 18th Torah cycle. Come on now. We are legal, folks. 
We are officially legal. We can vote for the Torah. We've been in it for 18 years. We are legal. Are you legal? So I'm going to share a lot of interesting things with you. You know, I am so blessed to be here and to share this message. Sometimes I have to pinch myself in everything that God reveals to me and and what I get to do for him. It's quite shocking. I, I feel humbled by it. I feel a lot of humility because it's like, you know, I don't feel worthy or adequate to to share these things that I'm sharing. It's almost like it's too good to be true. And sometimes they say, well, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. But not in this case. And once again, I've been in the Messianic movement for over 20 years. So how many of you know that I have a little bit of experience? Okay. Uh, And along with a lot of you as well. And what we have to ask ourselves is it's kind of like we need to do like a spiritual audit. Okay. Where are we at? prophetically, spiritually, as a kind where are we at? Where do we need to be? Amen. How many of you know that we need to be with the Father? We need to keep up with the Father. We need to stay with the Father. It might even be difficult or even hard at times, but we do have a season where, you know, we must keep up with the Father. And so I have this message that I want to share with you. Hopefully they'll get this PowerPoint up. But this message is called, Where Are the Children of Abraham? Okay. So what I want to share with you is I I got a really cool revelation while I was in the land and walking in Beersheba and all these interesting things were happening. And I was just so excited because how many of you know that the Bible says in all you're getting, get what? Get understanding. Amen. Why do people act the way they do? You know, uh, why did this happen? Why does that happen? You know, and, and so once again, as far as eschatology goes, uh, we've all been raised or brought up in the evangelical movement where they're always trying to figure out the next event. What is the next event in, in prophecy? But w- what I want to remind you is this. Uh, the proper interpretation of prophecy is not eschato- eschatological events, but is actually what are people doing in the last days? How many of you know what I'm saying? What are people doing in the last days? The Bible talks about those that are fearful and those that are encouraging those that are fearful. Amen. So what I want to submit to you is that we need to look at human behavior. We need to look at classes of people. We need to actually basically take a psychology class is what we need to do. Because why? Because we're seeing some very, very, very bad behavior in the earth today. We're seeing not only bad human behavior, but we're seeing atrocities. We're seeing things that that you couldn't even imagine. How many of you understand what I'm saying? So we want to be offensive uh, in, in that regard, we want to be on the offense, not on the defense, okay? We, we should be on the offense, okay? And we don't want to be on, uh, on the defense. And so, where are the children of Abraham? I want to just tie all this in together. Because how many of that God's in control? I mean, he is in so, so control over everything. He really is. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. He's in control. And, and when certain things happen that maybe you didn't think were kosher, he knows what he's doing. And you got to remember something. God always uses circumstances to get to his people. And sometimes it's unpleasant in your life. Sometimes you're, you might be going through something. It's because he's trying to lead you to a better place than where you're at or where maybe you would take yourself. Amen. So I'm standing here. I'm a miracle that I have my beautiful wife and my children and all of you. Listen, I am a miracle. I could have never done any of this on my own. In all the opportunities that God has given me, I I didn't have nothing to do with them. You understand what I'm saying? I'm his son, okay? And he's just done incredible things for me. And and I just know that there's a God. I just know that there's a God. And he is an awesome, awesome God. 
okay? So we are his children. So we're going to start right out of the gate. God calls Abram, okay? God calls Abram. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. You know, there's just so, so much richness in God's scriptures, in the word. There's so much richness in here. Have you ever asked yourself, what's keeping me away from the Bible? Could be the enemy, Hasatan, and his little cohorts and everything, right? It could also be your flesh. Have you ever noticed that? You know, maybe your flesh is keeping you away from the word because you haven't crucified it. And that's why we have to learn to crucify our flesh. So, so I, I want you to understand something, and this is so important uh, in this message. It, it's all going to tie in. It's this. Whenever God intervenes or whenever he begins to uh, actually come into your life, how many of you that the first interaction was God to Abram, not Abram to God? Would you agree that the Father came to you personally and came right into your life and revealed himself. Amen? That's the good part. Now the fun part is, now he wants a right action out of you. So you can't just sit back and say, well, God showed me this and God showed me that. He did that for you to have a right action. So you're going to see this being uncovered. And this is not about making something happen. This is not about hype or sensationalism or anything like that. It's about walking in the calling that he's called you to. So he calls Abram. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I had an interesting situation where some of the things I was sharing with all of you before I went to Israel, when I went to Israel, I heard speakers speaking it to me. One of the guest speakers was was a, a, a modern Orthodox Jew that was sharing about uh, three things that are synonymous. I thought that, wow, here we go. He says, the scriptures, which is the Bible, and the people in the land of Israel are all synonymous. They go together. You can't have one without the other or it doesn't work. Come on, somebody. Have you tried to bake something or make something and you were missing some ingredients? Did you pursue without the missing ingredients? No. How many, how many of you have been disappointed, amen, when you got the cereal bowl and you put the cereal in it and you went to go pour the milk and there was no milk, how many know that it's over? The breakfast menu has changed. But what's funny about Christianity, we still try to make it work. But then we read the New Testament and we're lost. We don't get it. How does it all fit together? How does it work? So this gentleman was talking about the Bible, the people in the land of Israel are all synonymous. They go together, amen? So let's look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and let's, let's read these verses together. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed." Wow, right out of the gate, God speaks to Abram just like that. How, much, how many of you know that's a lot in there? Wow, moi? You're going to do this with moi? Me? An Iraqi from the Chaldeans from Ur? Really? See, how many things has the Father spoken to us that hasn't come to pass yet? 
Think about it. But see, what's interesting about what's happening today is that he's not going to do this with individuals. He's going to do this with groups of people. He's going to bring groups of people together to accomplish this. Because in and of yourself, and having an ideology of the Hebrews of Christian faith, this is the problem, this is one of the, the, you know, it's an epidemic in this movement, that people have Hebrew roots in their mind, but they're not living it out in a community. They're not submitting to leadership or to the community. How many understand what I'm saying? Submission simply means to get under and support. Amen? Get under and support. So we have over 25 people in leadership at Beit Tehillah. And even myself, I have to submit to that leadership. Amen? How many understand what I'm saying? So, so one of the things about, about this movement is that people have a hard time in, in submission or the community, and it, there's just no buy-in. And I'm telling you, my wife and I are better off with all of you than not having you. Our lives are so much more richer to have you in our lives than for us just to have ourselves. Because, you know, if you'll notice, the Father always uses people to reach people. Do you understand that? He just doesn't do stuff on his own. He picks people. He chooses people. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so if you're wondering why you don't have any blessings from God, it's because you don't have any healthy relationships. Because the blessing is contained within people. But when you cut yourself off of people, you cut yourself off of the blessings of God. I'm telling you, I've learned this. Yes, we get hurt. Yes, we have disagreements. But I'm telling you, people are cool. If God would think like we would think, he would have made one tribe. The tribe of me, myself, and I. Hello, Father. The tribes have all come together. Amen? But he didn't. He made 12 tribes. One father. <laughs> Four mothers. That's a reality show. Think about it, everybody. All these stories in the Bible. Think about it. Think about it. It's amazing. So I want to break this down for you because, see, right now, most people are ignorant to the covenant of Abraham. They're just ignorant. They don't know. They don't realize. How many understand what I'm saying? Now, Moses, oh, that's the law. He's just disregarded. Oh, forget about him. Skip over that guy. But with Abraham, we're just, we're just ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant anymore. I want you to understand the ramifications of this covenant. And you're here, and I get to share this. It's life-changing because it's who we are. Covenant is binding. Let's look at this. Ten promises to the Abrahamic covenant. Number one is what? It's the land. Genesis 12, 1, verse 7, and chapter 13, verse 15. The land. And what I want to submit to you is this thought. I want you to think about this with me because I'm sharing this not only out of revelation of truth or a progressive revelation, but my own personal testimony. I'm living this out, and I just realized this at the leadership meeting. The light bulb went off. I got saved in March of 92, and the journey began. And before I met the dryers, I went to the beach to just read the Psalms and just be with the Lord, and, and I had the opportunity to go, of course, to a bookstore. So while I was in the bookstore, I was led to go into the travel section. When I went to the travel section, I noticed this book called Israel, 
So I grabbed this book, and I pulled it off the shelf, and I began to look at it. And the Lord says, you're going to buy this book, and I'm going to take you to the land of Israel. I'm going to bring the right people into your life, and you're going to Israel. Listen to me. I had no other idea about the Hebrews of the Christian faith other than having that book. So the very first thing that the Father did for me was telling me that you're going to go to the land of Israel. Doesn't it make sense if it's the first thing promised to the seed of Abraham? Come on now, somebody. Because I didn't realize I was grafted in until the spring of 95. I didn't even get the Torah until 1999. So the first thing that stood out in my life was the land. It was, it, it was incredible. The land. So once again, the land has come full circle for me personally. It was the first revelation that the Lord gave me in regard to my Hebrew roots, the Israel tour book, back in the early 90s. Interesting. Number two, that Abraham would be a great nation. Does everybody see that? Genesis 12, 2, a great nation. What nation do you think that would be? I believe Israel, a great nation, would come forth. One person would make a difference. I don't want to hear you, Pastor Nick, I really don't make a difference. Really? Paul turned Ephesus upside down all by himself. Just think what we can do. Matter of fact, what we are doing. We are turning everything upside down. We're going to make everyone rethink their religion. We're going to make everybody rethink the scriptures and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's going to be a restart. Amen? Number three, to be blessed. Genesis 12, 2 and Genesis 24, 35. To be blessed. Amen? Abraham was blessed. To be blessed. Why? Because God chose him. Are you the seed of Abraham? You're blessed. You, you, I just sit here. This is it. Okay, I know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know about Abraham. And I sit here now. It's November the 12th, 2016. I'm sitting here. I'm blessed. It's not because I'm wearing a suit. It's not because I put on deodorant. I'm blessed. Did you know that? Did you know you're sitting there? You're blessed. You're blessed. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You are. I'm telling you. you got to go for the spiritual stuff, not the physical stuff. That's an American concept. Keep it up with the Joneses. Forget about that. I'm trying to keep up with Abraham. Come on, somebody. Whew. Number four, a great name. Does Abraham have a great name? Genesis 12, 2. Yes, he has a great name among Jews, Christians, and the Muslims. He has a great name, Father Abraham. Those are the first four. Number five, let's look at number five, blessing to others. Genesis 12, 2, I always say this, are you a blessing or a pain in the neck? For me, am I a pain in the neck? Do people run to you or from you? When somebody sees you, do they scurry off the opposite way? That only happens if you're a pastor out in the public sector of life. How many of you know we can all work at being a blessing to others? Especially how we talk to one another or deal with things. You know, I'm trying to fix things in the church and this and that and dealing with contractors and 
and different things. And, and I always am reminded by the Lord to speak with them with respect and honor and to tell them, you know, thank you. And, 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 and all. how many of you understand what I'm saying? Because they deserve it. A blessing to others. So many things you can do. You could just give someone a hug. You can give somebody a card. Do some, you know, random acts of kindness. You ever heard about that? Paying it forward kind of thing? Just do some really cool stuff. And the Lord will show you. A blessing to others. So important. We need that right now. Amen? Number, number six, God blesses those who bless. Genesis 12, 3. Think about it. God blesses those who bless. I've had situations where people really blessed me. They don't think the way that I think. They don't practice their faith the way I practice my faith. But, but they blessed me. And you know what? I heard that God blessed them. And he showed me that. Because somebody blessed me, he'll bless them. Because that's how much he loves his children. They're like, you know, God's up there. He's like, hey, you blessed my son and my daughter over here the seed of Abraham. You bless my son and my daughter. You know, I appreciate you. You know, I'm going to do something good for you. Because blood's thicker than water. Family of God is important. You're part of the family of God, everybody. You don't mess with the family of God. You do not mess with the family of God. I tell the devil all the time, hey, you touch me, you touch Jesus. You touch my kids, you touch Jesus. And I, I would back off if I were you. We really need this in the culture in which we live. God curses those who curse. God's got your back. I mean, it took me 20 years to finally understand the gospel of Jesus Christ about turning the other cheek, praying for your enemies. Why? Because we win in the end. There's really not a fight. God curses those who curse. God's got your back. God will take care of you, amen? Revenge is mine, saith the Lord. You know? And that's important for us to remember that. Sometimes we get the raw end of the deal. Sometimes we're cheated. Amen? What is that saying? The first time, what? Shame on you. Second time, shame on me. So we learn. So God curses those who curse. This is so important that you understand this, everybody. Because right now we're going into times where you either hate the Jewish people in Israel, or you love the Jewish people in Israel. There's really no gray area for me. They're going to tell you exactly how they feel. Amen? And so I want to surround myself with, 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 with people that love Israel and love the Jewish people. I'm sorry. If you believe in replacement theology, I will not be sitting at your table. I'm sorry. I will not be sitting at your table. I don't believe in replacement theology. I don't believe in it. The church hasn't replaced anything. They should probably replace themselves. Maybe we can get something better. I don't know, but how many know we're not in good shape right now? We're not. And, I, and I'm going to tie all this in, man, because I'll tell you, a big burden was lifted off of me. A revelation, an epiphany happened in the land in Beersheba, and I'm going to share it with you as we move forward. But you need to understand these ten things. You need to understand them. Number eight, in thee all the families of the earth are blessed. Genesis 12, 3. Actually, in the Hebrew, it means that all the families are grafted in because of Abraham. Grafted in. Does everybody understand that? In thee, all the families of the earth are blessed. Number nine, many nations. 
Genesis chapter 17, verses 4 through 6. Genesis chapter 25, verses 1 and 2. I made a reference there, the second reference, Genesis 25. Many nations would come forth from Abraham. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Sarah dies. Abraham marries who? Keturah, who gives birth to Midian, who become the Midianites. Oh, that worked out in the family album. Many nations would come forth. And today the Midianites is Saudi Arabia. Is Saudi Arabia in the news? I mean, think about this, guys. It's unbelievable. It's like, wow, this is mind-blowing. I mean, this is incredible. So this is why you have all these different ethnic groups, nations, ethnic groups, amen? Last but not least, 10 promises to the Abrahamic covenant. Number 10 is exceeding fruitful. Multiply exceedingly, Genesis 17, 2. Exceeding fruitful. Multiply exceedingly. Amen? Yeshua even said, you'll know them by what? Their credit score. You will know them by the size of their home. No. You will know them by their fruit. This is why judge not lest ye be judged. We're not to judge, but what we are to do is to be fruit inspectors. And the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. So when I look at number 10, that's my wife and I, three sons and four daughters. We're supposed to multiply, amen? Bait to heal is supposed to multiply. How many understand what I'm saying? We started in the living room, amen? Number 10 is active here. Okay? Amen? When we first started this, this congregation, we had Xander and Josiah. Caleb and Joshua. The two boys. The two amigos. Did you see how many children were up here? In just so many years. All the way across. And what's ironic is the fact that if you look at the population of Israel, and I'll give you this little fact, 75% of, of, of Israel are Jews, and uh, 20% are Arabs, and 5% are the others. That's probably us. But, you know, there's, there's 8.5 million people in Israel. I understand what I'm saying. 8.5 people in Israel, 90 million Egyptians. But within that population, 0 to 14 make up over 28% of the population of Israel. 0 to 14, 28% is 0 to 14 years of age. Is that, a, is that a young generation? Could it be number 10? It, it's, it's kind of ironic that one-third of our congregation are youth and children. Amen? You know, if you don't see kids in a church, it means it's dying or it's dead. And that's what's happening. The church is dying because there's no young people. Amen? And it's that age group that we've got to really pray for because they don't believe in organized religion or community. They're being lied to. Social media is their community, which is a lie from the pit of hell. It's a counterfeit. Social media can't give you a hug. Social media can't wipe away a tear. I've got to move on now. Look at Genesis 15, 6. Let's read this because he's progressing, isn't he? Let's read it. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. 
So everything that the Lord told Abraham, Abraham, Abram, he believed, didn't he? So the Lord's like, hey, I can use this guy. You did good on that one. Let's see if I can give you another test. And then another test, amen. I have to go back and study. But Abraham was tested 10 times. He passed all the tests. Collectively, as, as, as a community, Israel had 10 tests and failed. But here's a little note to think about as we're looking at this, because I'm, I'm going to bring this full circle. Abraham's faith was accounted to him for righteousness. Before he was circumcised, in more than 400 years before the law was given to his descendants. Why is this important? Because I'm going to tie this into Jesus. Therefore, neither circumcision nor the law had a part in Abraham's righteousness. Paul proves that Abraham's faith was not merely a general confidence in God, nor simple obedience to God's command, but that it was indeed Faith in the promise of redemption through Christ. We're going to look at some verses. Amen. <clears throat> I want to tie this in because here's, here's the catch. And this is what I want to share with all of you. We've got to be careful that we don't lose sight of the righteousness of Yeshua. Because we get all worked up over the, the Torah and the do's and the don'ts and the commandments that I believe sometimes we lose sight of the fact that we get to do the Torah because of his righteousness. And I fall into the trap time and time again where I'm finding myself saying to myself, well, look at me, I'm doing this and I'm doing that, and then I miss God. So we're justified. Through the Lord. Let's look at Romans 3, 21 and 22. So important that we get this messianic movement in balance again. Amen. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Remember what Yeshua was saying to the Jewish people? You search the scriptures to find life. And he's saying, your life is in me. Not in the letter of the law. I'm trying to help you. I might have a few Pharisees in here. Just trying to help you. Trying to help you on the journey. Amen. Trying to look out for that banana peel. Just trying to help you. Because I'm telling you, it's life changing. When you could just say, I am justified by the finished work of the cross. I can't get any more saved than I am today. And it's his righteousness that allows me to live the way I live. It takes the burden off of us. Yeshua was telling his disciples, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's light. Don't take the yoke of these other people. It's too difficult. Take my yoke upon you. Take my teaching. Take my understanding. And that's the yoke we want. Romans is an incredible book. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that he is the son of God? Do you believe that he suffered, died, and was buried? On the third day he rose again, amen? You are justified simply by doing that. So the worst thing that could ever happen to you is behind you, amen? You're not going to hell. The worst thing that could ever happen to you in life is behind you. 
You should hold your head up high. Look up your redemption draw from the eyes. Not look down and find a quarter. He's always saying, chin up. Look up. Be confident. We have to have have confidence in this movement. We have to be bold and confident because people know, people know (laughs) a fraud. Look at Romans 4, 18 through 25. We're going to do a few verses here. Let's read these. Look at verse 18. This is about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Connect yourself to that. And being not weak in faith, he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. You got to say, I'm the seed of Abraham. You got to say, I'm the seed of Abraham. He didn't stagger, man. He believed that he was sold out, amen. He was sold out. He staggered not. He didn't debate it. He didn't argue it. He didn't try to reason it out. He believed. And he didn't even see the fruition of it. It was just given to him. So many things were given to me 20 years ago. But I'm seeing it come to pass today. Seeing prophecies coming to pass today. Let's keep reading. Verse 22. Therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. See, it all goes together, everyone. Faith comes full circle. Amen? You had to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. How many of you had to have faith for that? Everything's coming full circle in the, in the realm of faith. Look at verse 24. But for us also... To whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Verse 25. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. See, we get that religious spirit. We got to get rid of that thing. So because I believe in Jesus, I'm righteous. Because I believe in what he has done for me, the Father looks at me and says, you're righteous. Wasn't there a voice that came from heaven in regard to his son? He made it very clear. He didn't have to say anything from heaven, but he did speak from heaven, did he not? This is my what? In whom I am well pleased. See, we need to acknowledge Jesus more than the Torah. Because why? Jesus said, if you speak about me to others, I'll speak to my Father about you. Sometimes we put the, what, the cart in front of the horse? We got to make sure that we're balanced. It's all about him. It's all about a relationship and an awareness. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So really what we can say in humility is say, Jesus, I made a lot of mistakes. I sinned a lot. And you died on the cross and you justified me through your death in my mistakes. Oh, wow, that's hard to say. Are we living in a culture of forgiveness? Are we living in a culture of humility? Are we living in a culture you can just say whatever you want, do whatever you want? It's your thing. Ow. Do what you want to do. It's not. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. 
Listen, I've hit, I've hit brick walls. I've hit spiritual speed bumps because I was speaking the wrong things, and the Lord reminded me, if you would change your speech, I would change your direction. Because when you're speaking negatively, you're going to be going down the wrong path. And you've got to catch yourself. That's why we have a conscience. The Holy Spirit reminds you, you shouldn't have said that to your wife. You shouldn't have said that to your kids. You need to go, you need to go make right on that. You need, to, you need to pull that back. Look at Galatians 3.14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The nations. Gentiles is not a bad word, people. The Jews actually say goyim two different ways. They say it one way, and it's really cool. They say it another way, it's derogatory. But Gentiles just simply means nations, different ethnic groups, amen? This might blow your mind. Abraham was a Gentile. <gasps> Read it for yourself. Sarah was a Gentile. They were Gentiles. They were from Ur. They didn't even know what falafel was. I'm just saying. Actually, even Paul says in the New Testament, don't argue over genealogy. I share this all the time. I, I found my family tree, and I, and I found out that I was the sap. It was very disappointing. I mean, or let's look at our genealogy and try to change it, you know. Or let's overlook the bad things that, that, that we came out of. How many of you know that our forefathers have sinned? Did you know that we've inherited lies from our forefathers? It says it right there in the Bible. We've inherited lies, and now we're discovering them. It's not their fault, but now we renounce them. We come out of them. Come on, somebody. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Right? And I wanted to throw this in the beginning, but I didn't have time to do it. I didn't do it. But it's on your program. Listen, I read these verses over and over and over. I chew on them. I meditate on them. I say them in the car. I say them in my office. I go over this teaching a hundred times. Kathy does 20 edits at least. And I go through and I go through and I just chew on it and I read it and I get it in my spirit. Because that's the only way. But in Galatians 3.29, it says, And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. So your faith and his righteousness gives you the right to be an heir and the promises. Wow! That takes a load off of me. Even with a big family. Because we work so hard. Listen, I am guilty. I, 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 listen, I've been to counseling. They go, Nick, listen, you're, you have... You have this performance thing and drivenness. It's all, it's, that's what makes you up is drivenness and performance. That's who you are. That's what you do. That's just the party. You're going to have to work through that. I'm working through drivenness. It, drivenness doesn't work well. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because the Holy Spirit leads, the devil drives. And, and we just beat a dead horse. We keep getting people to, to see this message and understand. Don't you see it? I drew you pictures. I gave you a video. There's a CD, you know. I did a puppet show, and, and you didn't get it. What do I have to do? 
Is there some other way that I could get this message so you could understand it? No, it just doesn't happen. Why? It's not a revelation. Academia is not a revelation. Did you know that? Academia is not a revelation. The Pharisees had academia, but no revelation. How many people are in the Talmud, the Mishnah, and Kabbalah and everything? But, but they're, they're, they're in academia and studying the Jewish sages. But yet there's no revelation. You need a revelation. I need a revelation. So if you're in Christ, you're the seed of Abraham. You're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. I can't believe people teach this, that there's a physical Israel and a spiritual Israel. That doesn't make any sense. One hope, one faith, one baptism, one God. So here's a quote. We are justified by the finished work of the cross. Let's say that out loud. We are justified by the finished work of the cross. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you. We couldn't carry all the sins of the world. You did. We weren't meant to take nails in our hands. You did. You took the crown. You rode the donkey. You were spit on, beard ripped out, lashes. You did it, Lord. You did it. Not me. Him. That should humble you. Even when I was in the land of Israel, I went to bed at night, and I said, Jesus, I love you. I thank you for my relationship with you. That I will speak about you, whether it's the Orthodox Jews or the Torah or, or, or my family. I said, I will speak about Jesus to all mankind. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? I acknowledge it. Jesus is my Savior. He is the Messiah. He saved me. He saved me. He's the one that revealed to me that I came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That'll mess up your theology. Jesus said, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Boy, that will just mess with you. Because he knew his purpose. He knew his purpose. See, this is deep, deep calling deep. It's deep calling deep. See, God divorced the northern kingdom, but he never divorced the southern kingdom. Because the scepter will not depart from Judah. The kingship had to continue on. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? This is why when you go and read the, the verses in the Bible, I'm going there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm just going there. So the, the, the one wife that was divorced is going to have more children than the one that was married. Does that make sense? Rachel and Leah. Did you notice that Rachel was buried separate from the matriarchs and patriarchs? Did you know that? Because God is showing two classes of people. He's showing two groups of people. But he divided this group, but he's going to put it back together. Does, does everybody understand what I'm saying? It's, and it's all playing out, and we're not going to go into great detail, but we're going to look at Yeshua confronts the Jews in John 8, 33 through 59. Yeshua confronts the Jews in John 8, 33 through 59. Remember what Jesus said? He said something in regard to the Antichrist. Remember what he said? He said this, and I won't go there, but he says, you won't receive me, but you're going to receive somebody else. Did he not say that? You won't receive me, but you're going to receive some other guy. Okay? And, and it's all part of the prophecy. How many understand what I'm saying? I personally, you know, have a hard time with that. I'll tell you why. Because think about this. This is just something to think about. If you're still waiting for the Messiah to come, 
And when the Antichrist comes and people gravitate to him as the Messiah or whatever, all I want to submit to you is this. Is he going to have the resume of Yeshua? Amen? Come on. I'm, I'm asking you. This is how I engage people that don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. I said, so you're going to receive somebody else that has a lesser resume. Would you ever hire them? No, you would not. You hire the one with the best resume. So I would go to this Antichrist or this false Messiah, and I would say, okay, you do signs and wonders. Can you walk on water? Can you give me groceries for my family? Can you, can you reproduce bread and fish? Can you multiply food? Let me see that. Can you walk on water? Can you heal a leper? Bring the lepers in. Can you heal them? I'll, I'll tell you right now, this Antichrist, this false Messiah, will not be able to touch the Messiah, Yeshua. But see, it's called a deluding spirit on people, everyone. You can never reason with somebody with a deluding spirit. You have to move on and say, I pray for you. And that was really kind of the end of my teaching. But the bottom line is that when you have a deluding spirit, you can't be reasoned with. So what we have to do here at Beit Tehillah is speak the truth. Because this is actually brought out in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. They would not receive the truth. Therefore, God put a deluding spirit on them. And if you wonder why people could pick a certain candidate or they could make certain decisions, it's because they have a deluding spirit. They have a deluding spirit. They don't receive the truth. So look at John 8, 39 and 40. Let's read it. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You want to kill me because I'm telling you the truth. Abraham heard my father and obeyed. I'm telling you the truth and you want to kill me. Abraham would never have anything to do with this. How could you call him your father? I'll tell you, Jesus don't play around. He is a force to be reckoned with. I mean, if you really get into these Gospels, it will make you shake and shudder. Because he's God in the flesh. And he's trying to reason with mankind. He's trying to talk. He's, he didn't have to just come down for the time that he did and be born like he was. Because we're made in his image. I'm telling you, this is going to preach. God is madly in love with the homo sapien race. With us, made in his image. He's madly in love with us. So much so that he can't break any spiritual laws. He had to go through the whole kit and caboodle, amen. He had to go through the whole rigmarole, man, of that. Because he's not above it. We want to escape things. We want to do this. Jesus didn't escape nothing. Look at John 8, 47. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not. Because you are not of God. You have to understand this. Even in the times in which we're living, we have to adapt. We have to persevere. We have to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Or we're going to miss God like they did the first time. Oh no, this is how it's going to happen. Oh really? Isn't that ironic with the election? Same thing in the church. Wow, I didn't think he was going to do that. I didn't have any idea that God was doing that. 
But see, we're not supposed to be left in the dark. We're not supposed to be left in the dark. The Father reveals things to us, amen? We have no time to waste. Look at John 8, 56 through 58. Look at this. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. He was claiming Godhead, I am. Remember when, when they went to go get Jesus in the garden, and he said, I am? They all fell back? That was like Benny Hinn was off in the bushes? They all fell back. I don't believe him. Oh, really? It actually says when they dedicated the temple, the ministers could not stand because of the presence of God. It's not a sideshow and pushing people over. Let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit fills you up, they call it being slain in the Holy Spirit. Your knees give out and you, you just, that's it. I mean, I'm telling you, his presence will make you go right to your face. We need some of that in here. I love it, Yeshua just messing with people. And the Gospel of John is about the deity of Jesus. Jesus is God. Let's say it. Jesus is God. That's how I get out the spirit of Antichrist. Let's all say it. Jesus is God. Because there's a lot of hanky-panky going on out there in the Messianic movement. They're saying, oh, Jesus, he's a good man. He's a sacrifice. He's the lamb. I remember one time I was in a situation talking with some Messianic I got talking to him, and I knew something was up. And the Holy Spirit said, ask him if he believes Jesus is God. So I went, hey, um, you believe Jesus is God, right? And he's like, uh, yeah, uh, well, uh, I'd like to maybe share some stuff. Oh, you don't, spirit of Antichrist. <laughs> Whether you do it willingly or unknowingly, if you don't believe Jesus is God, you have a spirit of Antichrist. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's why the spirit of Antichrist is so dangerous. You don't believe that God sent his only begotten son out of love? Yes, I do. I can't have the spirit of Antichrist because I've received his love through his son, through the Father. See, this is how it all works. See, right now we're in a God complex. We're a bunch of little gods running around this earth. It's so dangerous. I see, I saw it in Israel. People, you just think you're a little God. Everything's going to go your way. You're a little God, little G. No, he's God. We're not God. That's what, that's what the serpent did to Eve in the garden. You shall be as like God. This is good stuff. James chapter 2, 21 through 23. Let's read it. Let's look at James chapter 2, verses 21 and 23. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. See, we want to work with God. He's our father. We're his children. We want to work with God. We don't want to work against God. So we have to humble ourselves and hear what the Father says and begin to take a right action for the revelation that he's given us. There's nothing new under the sun, people. 
It's all coming to a climax. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What are you hoping for? I'm hoping for the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel. Amen. I am hoping that one day I will live in the land of Israel and have my inheritance. I hope for this. Amen. It's a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I have faith to believe that I am grafted in, therefore I'm Israel. I have faith for that. Well, how can you be Israel if you're not Jewish? I'm grafted in, therefore I'm part of the olive tree. Yeshua is the root of the olive tree, therefore my faith says I'm grafted in, I'm Israel. Simple faith, everybody. Don't take it for granted. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I have faith to believe, and here's the substance of things hoped for. I have hope that Israel, the Jewish people, will build more cities in Judea and Samaria. I'm not going to use the word West Bank. I'm not going to use the word occupied territory, occupation, or, or, or settlements. But I'm believing that Jewish people will be able to go back to the land of Israel and have homes. Now let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. In regard to Abraham, let's read it. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So it's like when we take a trip to Israel, and we believe one day we're going to live there, and we go on a tour, we see the land, and we say, hey, one day I'm going to live here. And people are like, yeah, right. Woohoo! You tell your relatives, your co-workers, hey, one day I'm going to live in Israel. They're like, woo-hoo-hoo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're snuckered up there, buddy. But that's your faith. Who's going to get the last laugh? Amen? When I'm living across the street from Jesus, right? I come out my door for tabernacles. Woohoo! Good morning, Yeshua! And all those people that criticize me, right? They're like, they're on the journey. Got to go up for tabernacles. Pastor Nick was right. I could have lived across the street. I didn't have his faith. I didn't believe him. I'm going to tabernacles. Gosh, it's so far to walk. Oh, my gosh. And I'm going to have a tea for him. Here, have some tea, baby. Fresh brewed tea and a harp. God takes the foolish things to confound the wise. Take away a man's dreams, he has nothing. Look at Hebrews 11.6. But without faith. It is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I might not see the reward today, but I'll see it tomorrow. I don't get all worked up over the spice store and a hava store and all these places, and, and oh, you know, I wish we could just stay longer here. I'm like, you know what? I'll be back forever. 
I wanted to spend a little bit more time in En Gedi. I'll, I'll be back. That's what I was saying to myself. It'll be okay, Nick. Don't get all worked up. It's okay. You'll be back. Listen to me, everyone. You have to have faith that you will overcome your weaknesses. That's the greatest faith right now. I think I'm going there with this with somebody in here. You don't have faith to believe that you can overcome your sins. Shame on you. You have enough faith to overcome your weaknesses. You have to hope for it, and it's a substance. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can be an overcomer. This is the revelation that I got in Beersheba. Only fitting that I would be in the area of Abraham's seed to receive an epiphany, to receive a revelation. The next slide. This is the children of Abraham. You'll see three arrows. You're going to see an arrow that's pointed, and we'll make copies of this. This is the revelation. You'll see an arrow going to the Jews, and you see the word orthodox, reform, and conservative, etc., etc., etc. You see an arrow going down to what? Christianity. Does everybody see that? Catholic, Protestants, denominations, etc., etc., etc. You see the arrow going into Islam. You've got Shiite and Sunni, etc., etc., etc. But look at the arrow that comes off of Christianity. It's the Hebrew Roots Movement. It's the Hebrew Roots Movement. And I was actually at the well in Beersheba there, in 5,000-year-old city or civilization. And I'm just thinking and meditating, and the Father's like, you know, I, I created all of this. The Jews, the Christians, and Islam, I did it all. I did it. So what happens? We got all bent out of shape over Jews, Christians, or Muslims, and God did it. Did you, did you, did you hear what I just said? Well, the Jews this, and the Jews that, and Christians this, and Christians that, and Islam this, and Islam that, and we jump on the bandwagon, and yeah, 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 and God's like, I did it. What are you complaining about? You can't do anything about it. God told me, I did it. I did it. He created it. Did you know that? The Jewish people didn't create themselves. Christianity wasn't built on one man. Islam wasn't just one, one guy that came up with an idea. Do you know that it's all connected? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's all connected. So we get all bent out of shape over God's plan. But do you see the arrow? So now all of a sudden there's a new chapter. This is what's amazing to me. Because in Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews 8, he says, After those days I will write my Torah on minds and hearts. Amen. There's a Torah scroll that survived Poland over 65 years old right here. That's like the ark. It's a sign. If you see a, a Torah scroll in a church, you better wake up. Get your house in order. Every time the Torah comes on the scene, judgment's soon coming behind. So what's going to happen is this. In the Hebrew Roots movement, we have an opportunity. Now we know how not to do the Hebrew Roots movement. We have to figure out how to do the Hebrew Roots movement. And this isn't about calling out ministers or ministries, but I personally think the Hebrew Roots movement has been doing it wrong all along. 
So what happened is we righted the ship at Beit Dehila. We righted the ship. Just hear me out on this. We said, God, forgive us for bashing the church and bashing people for what they do not know and for not walking in what we are walking. Father, please forgive us. Forgive us for punishing people for the things they know not. And we came out of that. We came out of that. And, and I, can, I can tell you that when we did that repentance, doors started opening up for us. Because once again, it goes back to the three arrows. Are you going to go after Islam? Are you going to go after Christianity? Are you going to go after Judah? Are you going to do what God has called you to do and be? So what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is that why can't we go in the church and the synagogue? Because it's never been done until now. It's never been done until now. I get to go into the church. I get to go into the synagogue. And I can't wait to go into the mosque. If that's God's will, I'll go in there. See, this is incredible. You're going to have to rethink your life. Because God's not happy with the status quo. Who are we to treat people like we treat? So because of this, now all of a sudden, the Father is showing me a revelation that when we came to this place of forgiveness and humility, then all of a sudden, God starts moving upon the Jewish people's hearts. That it was hard at one time against Christianity and against anything that was Christian Man, their hearts were hard towards us. It was hard towards us. But because we've repented, and because now we're open to what God wants to do, God goes in and he turns their hearts around. This is the act of God. This is the move of God that's happening right now. All over the world, Jewish people's hearts are being turned towards us in the Hebrew Roots movement. Because we love Israel, we love the Jewish people, because we, we have a lot in common. Amen? It's interesting to go into the church and I can preach Jesus and him crucified and we have all this in common. You know what I'm saying? I can sit at a table with pastors and we can talk about Jesus. Amen? The gospel, the Holy Spirit, the word of God. Amen? How many of we have a lot in common? But I can't do that if I go in the synagogue, can I? I can't bring up Jesus. They know that I'm a follower of Jesus, that I have a personal relationship with Jesus, but guess what I get to do in the synagogue? We can talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We can talk about the feast days, the Sabbath, the Torah portions. Come on, somebody. It's happening right now in a synagogue near you. It's happening. I saw it firsthand. I saw the faces of the Jewish people full of joy and life. Usually it's long and drawn from all the tragedy. But the hearts of the Jewish people are being turned back towards the Christian community that loves them. Listen, I don't have to compromise the vision of Beit Tehillah. I don't have to compromise my walk with Jesus Christ. I don't. So we're going to pray. We're going to wait and see what God's going to do this next year. How many of you would like to have an Orthodox Jew from Israel come here and share and we could encourage him or them. Amen? See, people don't believe in the two houses, but I'm witnessing the two houses. Oh, that's a bad word, Ephraim. Go and study it for yourself. Not one person has challenged me in heresy. Not one person. 
Because it's time for Ephraim to come out of the closet. Everybody's proud of who they are, what they believe. What's wrong with believing you're Israel and being proud of that? Look at Isaiah 51, verses 1 and 2. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness. Ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. And notice that's in Isaiah 51. It's a picture of the New Testament. We should always reflect on the matriarchs and the patriarchs. Amen? Moving on, let's look at this prayer. This is going to blow your mind. Let's look at this prayer in Isaiah 63, verses 15 through 19. Tell me if you can't relate to this sitting in your purple chair. Let's read it. Look down from heaven and behold from the habitation of thy holiness and of thy glory. Where is thy zeal and thy strength? the sounding of thy bowels and of thy mercies toward me. Are they restrained? God, when are you going to do something? I believed in this for 20 years. When are you going to do something? Keep reading. Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our Father, our Redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. O Lord, why hast thou made us to err from thy ways and hardened our heart from thy fear? Return for thy servant's sake the tribes of thine inheritance. Don't you want to go tribal? Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to go tribal? Come on, people. God knows where they're at, they're scattered. Oh, return for thy servants' sake the tribes of thine inheritance. Look, Abraham, be ignorant of us. Abraham didn't fully understand this plan of God. Yes, he was receiving the promise. Yes, he believed, but he didn't understand how it all played out, even at Beit Tehila. He wasn't privy to that. Remember when God came to Moses? He says, listen, I'm going to show myself to you even greater than I showed myself to Abraham. And that's what he's doing now. God is showing himself to be greater than any revelation that he's ever shown to anybody at this time. And it's for us to receive. Look at verse 18 and 19. The people of thy holiness have possessed it but a little while. Our adversaries have trodden down thy sanctuary. Look at the temple mount. We are thine, thou never bearest rule over them. They were not called by thy name. We're just stubborn. We're just stubborn, amen? Stubborn. So think about this. Now, Paul understood all this that I'm sharing with you. Did you know that? He knew he was supposed to go after the tribes. Did you know that? He's from the tribe of Benjamin. He understood all of this. He wasn't schizophrenic. He, he was not schizophrenic. Look at Romans 9.8. Let's read it. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Do you believe that? Do you believe in the promise? A divine assurance of good. Amen? 
Do you? Do you? In closing here, think about it. But the children of the promise are counted for this seed. Okay, do you believe in the promise? Raise your hand. You're the seed. So you've got to change your perspective. You've got you to get your head out of the sand. You've got to get your priorities straight, amen? You've got to figure out what's really important. Kingdom mindset, not 401K mindset. You've got to get your mind on the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added into you. I've discovered this. The children of the promise are counted for the seed. I'm going to give you just a couple more things in closing here. And I was listening to a podcast. If you want to write this down, the Land of Israel Network, a number of Jewish journalists putting out podcasts and different things, and uh, very informative. I had to listen to the podcast to get a better perspective of Israel. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Because CNN isn't going to give it to you. You ain't even going to find it on YouTube. You have to go right out of the horse's mouth. Here are five ways that the narrative war against Israel works. Five ways that the narrative war against Israel works. Number one, erase and replace. So what does Islam try to do? Come in and take over the sites and say, no, no, it's our site. Erase and replace. Somebody understand what I'm saying? The Temple Mount is a good example of that. Erase and replace. And Jerusalem isn't even mentioned in the Quran. Number two, that Israel are abusers. The blood libel. Oh, they take the blood of, you know, children and make matzah bread. Have you ever heard that? That goes back, I don't know how many years. Anti-Semitism. They accuse Israel of being abusers. Oh, the Palestinians are being abused. They're abusers. How many times have you seen where there was like a, this reenactment and they found out it was all a lie? Israel was not the abuser. It's all staged. They're even saying right now that these protests, there were buses of people brought in and paid to protest. I believe that. I believe that. Number three is fear. Fear. Fear is used. Oh, aren't you afraid to go to Israel? Isn't it dangerous over there? See, why would anybody even say that to you unless the fear propaganda is out? Number four, this is aspect ratio shift. A-S-P-E-C-T. Aspect ratio shift. Meaning that they only give you a little bit of truth like They'll, they'll show May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation, and they'll kind of go into that, but they don't want to talk about the past. They don't want to talk about King David or the temple, amen? They try to just do a clean slate and, 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 and no history and just hit it from there and then point out all the things that are wrong. How many understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> I'm drawn to the land of Israel, amen? Number five, incitement and violence. Do we see that in our culture? So because of Trump's election, we're going to have incitement and violence because we don't like this. So we can go and loot and rob and, and pillage and, and do these things because the, the people have spoken and we don't like it. 
I mean, so those are the five things, five ways that the narrative war against Israel works. You can look at the Emperor Hadrian as well. He, he did a lot of evil, mean things, amen? Tried to erase the Jewish people altogether and their, and their history. How many of you can't do that? And here's another thing too. Five control points for the mind. Five control points for your mind. Number one, the media, which is the news, the media. I just love the countenance of the media after Trump won. It was just, they, were, they were so excited on CNN. Wolf Blitzer was jumping up and clicking his heels. Woohoo! Not. Number one is the media. Number two is academia. People think, well, you're a professor or a scholar or the universities are teaching this stuff, and it's true. It's not. It's hogwash. Academia. Number three is arts. The arts can control the mind. We could talk about movies and the culture, but there's a lot of this hybrid stuff going on, sci-fi, aliens, all this crazy stuff, because we're about ready to be duped in America. Zombies. Number four are the courts. Call evil good and good evil. Eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The courts decide on what the law is, and, and they know what's, what's right. Number five is, of course, politics or politicians. Those are five things that control the mind. Amen? So just remember this. Truth will always deliver you from a deluding spirit. Take everything that I have said to the Lord. This world is changing all around us. We can't even keep up with it. And so remember this last thought. Right now, all over the world, especially in Israel, God is moving upon the hearts of the Jewish people to extend a hand to those Christians that love Israel. Do you understand what I'm saying? I didn't make this up. It's, it's an incredible act of God. And unless you understand their situation and, and the Holocaust and how, what Christianity did to the Jewish people, you know, the, the Crusades, and everything, how many understand that this is an act of God? And, and the thing that made me weep, and I was like, I could just feel the presence of God. Is that When you talk to these rabbis, and, and he talked to these Jewish people, and they share the story about their bitterness and hatred towards Christians, and that God changed their heart. You can't deny the fact that that's a miracle. You know, it's just like if you, if you have, you know, hate or, or bias, or, or you're a racist, or you're prejudiced, or whatever, and then God comes and says, that's not okay. That's not right. And he fixes it and heals it. How many of that's incredible? So that is what's happening right now. So here's the beauty of it. Next year is going to be an adventure. It's going to be a journey. Why? Because my pastor friends want to come here and share a message. Would you receive a message from my pastor friends? Yes, yes you will. Will you receive a message from an Orthodox Jew from Israel? Yeah. Amen? This is what's going to happen, everybody, and it's going to be revival. Because it's about unity. There's no unity in America. I think Chuck was teasing me. I'm wearing a pin and it's an army pin. Army. Anybody in the army? And Chuck's like, I thought you were a Marine Corps. I'm like, listen, I'm no respecter of armed services. I would have wore a Coast Guard pin, but he didn't have one. But what I'm saying, we got to get away from this disunity and stuff. Oh, you don't think like me. You're not like me. I don't like you. You can't be with me. You're not like me. That's horrible. I'm glad there's not two of me. I couldn't handle that. 
No, no. That's bad. Bad. They're talking about cloning? No, no, no. You ain't cloning me. That's dangerous. So think about this. You know, and this ain't about, you know, seeker-friendly church. This ain't about compromise. This is about how can we have unity? How can we really work together and realize that you're not the enemy, I'm not the enemy. When I come here, you're not the enemy. You might be going through stuff, and, and I give you the benefit of the doubt. And I say, you know what, they're going to have a better day. They're a little snippy at me, but I don't, you know, I have it in for them. They're going to be okay. Because you're not the enemy. I'm not the enemy. We have an enemy. We don't battle flesh and blood. But we can get through it together, amen? I mean, I wasn't feeling well. It's by God's grace, mercy, and strength that I'm even standing about. But I feel weak. I, I just want to, I could just collapse because I'm not feeling well. But I could tell you that. Why? Because I know some of you don't feel well. I know a lot of stuff's happening. But I come against that spirit of infirmity. I'm praying for those that are sick. Amen? Praying for those that are sick. But get into the Torah portions. You know, Monday night's going to be incredible. It's going to be good. We're going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and Lot's wife and his daughters. And we're going to talk about all this cool stuff that's in the Bible that, that we need to know. And then we're going to light brimstone. Real brimstone, folks. You can't make this up. We're going to bring Israel to us. And they say Sodom and Gomorrah is a fable. Not if you can produce brimstone. You know what brimstone is? You ever heard fire and brimstone preaching? I never understood that because I was never brought up in that. Some of you were brought up in fire and brimstone preaching. Well, when you light brimstone, it's so hot, so powerful, that it'll melt coins, marbles. The heat is so intense. Now I understand fire and brimstone preaching. That's some good preaching. You know what I'm saying? It's like Tabasco sauce. The spirit of Tabasco is coming out. Wow, this is burning me, Pastor. We need fire and brimstone preaching. Amen? So, Father, thank you for this awesome opportunity. Thank you for your children. Father, it's, it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by your spirit, saith the Lord. So, Father, let your Holy Spirit just come in and just... Give us an audit and a cleanse and just cleanse us of, of iniquity and things, Father. Let us be uncluttered, Father. Let us think before we speak, Father. Let's, let's just move, Father, by your rural kakadesh, by your sweet Holy Spirit, Father, and bless everyone here, Father. Let them leave here changed that they heard a word from you, Father. And I thank you for that. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone.